Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Let me remind you, uh, Reverend Greg Quinlan will be with us on August 30th. He has a powerful testimony he'll share of God's redeeming grace, how God saved him out of the homosexual lifestyle, giving him a mission and a purpose. You'll want to be here in that service. Invite everyone that you know to join you as well. Did you hear about the lady who had a dream on the night before Valentine's Day? She dreamt that her husband gave her a three-carat diamond ring for Valentine's Day. When she woke up, she was so excited and she said to him, Honey, I dreamed last night that you gave me a three-carat diamond ring for Valentine's Day. What do you think that means? He said, well, I think you'll find out tonight. She was so excited that whole day long, she just couldn't hardly contain herself. Valentine's evening, he brought a box out for her that was about this big. And she thought, oh, he didn't give me just give, give me just a ring. He got me a necklace to go with it. She was so excited as she opened that box and took the lid off. She couldn't believe her eyes when inside that box was a book entitled, How to Interpret Your Dreams. <laughs> What are your expectations? That's the question this morning. What do you expect from God? What do you want from the Lord? What do you anticipate Him to do for you today and in the weeks and the months ahead? You see, anytime we ask God to do something in our lives, it requires us to take a step of faith, to open the box, to respond with some courage, and to trust that He's going to do what's best for us. Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. I want to talk to you about the story of Jesus walking on the water and what happened in the lives of those disciples, particularly Peter, when Jesus appeared. And I want you to understand that if we're going to see God do good things, no, if we're going to see God do great things, no, if we're going to see God do perfect things in our lives, we've got to get out of the boat. We've got to get out of the position we're in, move forward in faith, and trust that He's got us. Sometimes that's frightening. Sometimes that scares us. That's why Tom sings psalms like, He makes me brave. We need to understand that. He really does fill us with courage when we purpose to follow Him. I told you a few weeks ago that uh, I was going to start riding long rides once a week to get ready for the diaper run, which is coming up in September. So I took off Friday morning around 6 and rode 837 miles. When I was coming down I-95, somewhere in Georgia, I don't even know where, I was in the right lane. The cruise was set. I was doing about 84 miles an hour. Yes, I know that's speeding, but that's the speed of the diaper run, so I got to get used to it. And all of a sudden, I see a car coming up in my mirror in the, in the lane next to me. And he's flying. I mean, this guy is flying. And I'm thinking, well, that's not unusual on I-95. There's a lot of people that drive 95 or 100 down that highway. But as soon as he got even with me, he slammed on his brakes, whipped over right in front of me, no further than I am to Yvonne, so he could make an exit. I'm doing 84 miles an hour. He slams on his brakes. All I could do is hit my brakes and weave to the right, missing him by just bare inches. Someone said, did it scare you? No, it made me mad. If he had stopped, I'd beat him into the ground. That's ridiculous. 
No, it doesn't make me scared. Why? Because when God said buy that motorcycle, it was for a purpose. And the purpose was for ministry. So I could use that bike to reach people for of you need to hear that today because you've been living in fear and concern. It's time to stop allowing fear to dominate your life. Ask him, make me brave. Fill me with courage. Now, he probably isn't going to ask you to buy a motorcycle and ride cross country in 50 hours. He's probably not going to ask you to do that. But he may ask you to speak to your neighbor. He may ask you to love your coworker. He may ask you to pray for somebody that's sick. He may ask you to help somebody that's in need. He may ask you to do something that moves you out of that place you are comfortable so that he can use you for mighty things to be accomplished in your lives. So look at me this morning, look with me this morning to Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 22. We're going to read the whole story down through verse 33. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat, go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It's not, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him, and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped, saying, Surely, truly, you are the Son of God. Father, add your anointing to the preaching of your word this morning. Touch everyone who's a part of this message, whether it be in the house or in their house, or driving down the road today. Reach all of those who are listening or watching and let their lives be transformed by the power of Jesus' name. I pray it in your name. Amen. I believe we're living in a day and a time when a lot of Christians are missing out on the best God has to offer because of the obstacles that the enemy has placed in our path. I believe that a lot of us are too familiar with the phrase, I can't, because of something that's in front of me. And as a result, we never enter in, we never receive, we never experience the best that God has for his people. Doesn't mean we aren't saved, of course we are. Doesn't mean we aren't going to heaven, of course we are. But what it means is that we're living a substandard Christian life. We are not living the life that Jesus died to give to you and me. Because if our vocabulary is filled with, I can't, we will always find ourselves sidelined. We'll never be on the field of action. We'll be sitting on the bleacher. We'll be saying, someone else can do it better than me. I can't because I don't have the education. I can't because I don't have the experience. I can't because I'm divorced. I can't because I had an abortion. 
I can't because I was once a drug addict. I can't because I was in prison. I can't because I failed in business. I can't because I filed bankruptcy. The list goes on and on and on and on with the I can'ts. But when I read this scripture this morning, it tells me Jesus isn't interested in our excuses. He's interested in our obedience. He's looking for people who will hear his voice and say, if it's you, bid me come. If it's you, let me do what you're doing. If it's you, let me replicate your works in my life today. I mean, didn't he say, greater works than these shall ye do because I go to the Father? Didn't Jesus say that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Didn't he say, ask anything in my name and I will do it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Then why do we constantly say, I can't? It's too difficult. It's too hard for me. I can't go there. I can't do that. I fell short too many times. Some of listening today, some watching today, some in this room today, your life is in limbo because you put yourself there. Because you said, I can't do it. I can't move forward. You would rather focus on the here and now, the obstacle that's in front of you, rather than walk by faith, not by sight. See, in everything in the scripture, Rod made it so clear this morning, everything in the scripture demands us to walk by faith and not by sight. To believe there are things that we can't see that are happening in our lives that as we walk by faith, we will actually walk into we will actually possess, and it will become a part of our lives. We will see the best of God and the blessing of God begin to flow through us as never before. When we stop saying, I can't, and we stop saying, start saying, command me to come to you. We need to understand that's exactly what God wants us to do in our lives. So many have said, yeah, but I tried that and I got hurt. I experienced some pain. Well, welcome to life. Cupcake, what do you think is going to happen? Of course you're going to experience some pain. Of course you're going to have some hurts. Of course you're going to have some disappointments. Jesus didn't say, when you follow me, life is going to be smooth all the time. No, he said, when you follow me, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. When you follow me, I'll never fail you. I'll never disappoint you. When you follow me, you won't be in lack because I will supply every need in your life. Stop letting the pain of yesterday keep you from moving into the promise of today. Somebody needs to write that down. That's a pretty good statement. Stop letting the pain of yesterday keep you from moving into the promise of today. Stop looking back and start looking forward. See what God has in store for you. You see, we do go through pain. We do go through hurts. It's a part of life. It's a part of being a human. But this is the key. That past pain can bring future growth. That experience that brought hurt into our lives, when Jesus touches us and heals that, can bring growth into our lives. It becomes the fertilizer that allows us to grow in Jesus Christ. When we understand that, some today are afraid to get married because, well, you know, I, I might get a divorce. Some are afraid to apply for a new job because, you know, I might be passed over. Some are afraid to start the business that God's been talking to you about because I might go bankrupt. Some are afraid to go on missions trips because, 
You know, our missions team got stuck in Peru this year. They closed the country down on them. What if that were to happen to me? Well, you forgot the truth of that. Yes, we did get stuck. Yes, they closed the country down. But here's the miracle. God got the team home the exact day they were supposed to get home. Oh, somebody, you ought to shout amen. Because yes, you will encounter problems. Yes, you will encounter persecutions. Yes, you will encounter hurts. But the God you serve will be right there with you. And when you need it, he will do a miracle in your life that opens doors and brings faith and hope to you. I guarantee you all 26 of those people on that missions trip to Peru, their faith jumped tremendously when they saw what God did because only God could have done it in a powerful way. So I can't go on a missions trip because I've heard Pastor Steve's stories. You know, he fell off of a roof in Mexico and hurt his back and tore up his knee and that knee had eight surgeries on it. Finally, a replacement. He had to have surgery on his back. Oh, listen to me today. Stop looking back. I'm standing up. I'm walking. I'm living the health and the vitality of God. What happened yesterday will not stop me from pursuing him today. You say, oh, but he went to Costa Rica. He got bit by a two-step snake. He could have died. What if that happens to me? Yeah, but I didn't. That's the good news. Why didn't I die? Because I served the God that said to me, you shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Oh, somebody, are you with me this morning? My God is able. My God is able. But many will never move beyond the present because we spend all of our time focusing on the past. We'll never move beyond where we're at today because we're always looking in the rearview mirror. We're more concerned about what the enemy might do to us than what God has in store for us. You know, every Sunday, I look across the congregation and I see people worshiping the Lord. Hands are raised. Bailey, would you come? They're giving praise and worship to God. A few months ago, I started watching Bailey. Bailey's 15 years old. And every time she's in worship, it's not one hand, it's both hands up. And they're not just crooked like this, they're straight like this, both of them. And you may not know it, but that's an absolute miracle that this little girl can do this with her arm. I've asked her to come and I've asked her to share that testimony of what God did in her life. Okay, so when I was nine years old, I went to a gymnastics camp and I jumped to a high bar and it was, it collapsed and I broke my right arm. It was an open fracture. My bone was exposed. My ulnar nerve was exposed to the gym floor, like five inches, I think. And I was at risk for infection at the bone level so I was in ICU for three days and the doctor told us that I would never be able to straighten my arm again I'd never be able to fully go back to gymnastics where when I was I was nine years old I thought they were gonna cut my arm off I was I thought my whole world was gonna change I thought everything was taken from me and I thought I was defeated I was like what do I do now? I can't go to gymnastics with my friends. I can't, I mean, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't move my arms. I couldn't supinate and pronate. I couldn't bend and straighten. I couldn't hold a pencil. I couldn't write. I couldn't do anything. And my mom, she just, she talked to me and she was like, Bailey, that's what the doctors say. That's not what God says. Come on. 
And that's not, that's not, that's not what's going to happen. You just have to trust in God. And I was mad at her. I was like, he went to school. He knows what he's talking about. He told me this happened and I'm never going to be able to do this again. And I was heartbroken. I was, it took everything from me. But when, when I chose to, to take a step of faith, to trust, I remember my mom wrote on her bathroom mirror, and it is still there today, that I was healed through his blood, and that I had to read that every day that I took a shower with her, and I couldn't wash my hair, but I could read it. And I didn't have to say it out loud, but I said it in my head every morning and every night. And, I mean, that changes so much, you don't even realize it. But it's not even about the injury and what it took for me and how Satan tried to pull me down. And at just nine years old, I barely, I, I, I didn't know much about the Lord. I mean, I was raised in it, and I knew about it, but I never, I never knew the real importance of it, I guess. I knew it was always something we did and we understood. It was kind of like brushing your teeth at night, you know. You go to church on Sunday morning, we pray, we pray before dinner, you know. It was something else we did. But at nine years old, I had to learn how to trust blindly. How to have no idea how it was going to work, but to just trust. So at four months, I went to back to gymnastics, like full, doing everything. He said, you can do whatever you can as long as it doesn't hurt. And I was doing stuff. Um, I went to occupational therapy to try to start moving my arm. And eventually, I, now I hyperextend it. And it's, they said I was going to be stuck like this forever. So that's, that's a lot. Amen. Yes. And... Five years at our five-year checkup, I started having I started having pain. I started cheerleading and basing, and I started having soreness in my elbow. So we had a, we went back for a checkup, and at five years, we had the X-rays done. The doctors told us that my joint capsule it would always be bone on bone. The joint capsule was gone. I lost it in injury, but the X-ray showed the whole joint capsule rejuvenated itself. The whole thing was there. It's like nothing, nothing ever happened. And we always prayed for full healing. And I went back to gymnastics. I could do everything with it. But we never knew until five years later that it was brand new. He gave me a new elbow, a new joint capsule, a new everything. And there was cushion there now. And I didn't have any pain after that. I mean, I was like, okay, well, we prayed for healing. We got it. And then five years later, he just 110, like even over the top. And we prayed for full healing, and we got even more than we expected by just trusting in him. And my mom will tell you, I, I always went to her, and I was like, mom, I wish this never happened to me. This is just such a pain. I wish this never happened to me. And she would tell me, no, it happened for a reason. I would never take the daughter that I had back before the injury rather than after because it taught me how to trust in the Lord. And it taught me that Satan can't do anything to bring me down because God will bring me back up. And God will use every single bad thing that he tries to take me down with and make it even better, make it even more successful. 
give my story to other people, give them hope, give them maybe something they needed to hear today, maybe something that'll change your mind, give you get, light the fire on your butt to sit up and get going, yeah? So I hope that whatever it is today, whatever is bringing you down, that you know that in the long scheme of things, in the whole timeline, the whole five years later, it won't matter. The bad things, you will overcome them with God, and he will help you. He, can, he does everything with you. So that's pretty much it. Amen. Thank you, Bailey. Great job. Aren't you glad that God does things right? God does things completely. And he's still in the miracle working business. Don't let the obstacle in front of you keep you from reaching the promise God has before you. Move forward in him. Move forward in faith. And watch what God can do. You know, many times we measure failure by how many times we fall down. God measures failure by how many times we fall down and stay down. He didn't intend for you to fail and stay there. He intended for you to fail, get up, brush off your britches, and move on to what he's called you to do. That's exactly what happened in Bailey's life. She could have stayed there with an arm bent at this degree her whole entire life, never able to straighten it out. But she pursued, what she didn't tell you is she pursued, she pushed through agonizing pain through physical therapy. It wasn't easy. It was hard. But there was a goal in mind, and that goal was 100% recovery. So when she went back five years later and found out what would never come back again had been rejuvenated by the power of a living God, can you imagine how over the moon that 15-year-old girl was? Oh, come on, folks. Somebody ought to give God praise. Stop measuring yourself by how many times you fell. Measure it by how many times you fell and you get back up. And you say, devil, you may have tripped me. I may have failed. I may have fell, but I'm not staying there. I'm going to get up and I'm going to move on to see what God has for my life. Three things I want to share with you very quickly from this text this morning. First, I want you to recognize, you see it in verse 22, that Jesus commanded the disciples to get into the boat and to cross the Sea of Galilee. He commanded them to do it. He told them, go do this, which means they were at an appointed place and an appointed time doing exactly what God had asked them to do. They weren't out of the will of God. They were in the perfect will of God when that storm rose against them. So many times when we're pursuing God and some kind of external force comes against us, our first thought is, I must have missed God. I must not have heard right. This must not be God's will for my life. Would you quit being a baby, suck it up, and move through it? You're at an appointed time and an appointed place in your life. You are called to be where you are at, to do what God has you doing. Quit worrying about opposition and just plow through it. Close your eyes and move on. You see, in spite of our fear, and there was fear in that boat that night, in spite of our fear, we have to learn how to deal with external conflict, with things that come against us and push back on us. The disciples were doing exactly what Jesus asked them to do. They were obeying his purpose and his plan for their lives. But in doing so, a storm rose against them. 
It became very dangerous, very difficult. The opposition was very, very, very strong. And they had to come to the point where we either keep rowing or we simply give up and die. Some of you are in that place today. You've got to determine, I'm going to keep rowing. I'm going to keep following. I'm going to keep pursuing because the other alternative is not acceptable. I will not give up, lay down and give in and let the devil defeat me. It's just not acceptable. You say, well, that shouldn't be the way it is in Christianity. Who told you that nonsense? Whatever stinking theology you grabbed a hold of, you need to exercise that from your life. I mean, get it out of your life. Excise it from your life. Don't let it be a part of you. Have you never read the book of Acts? The book of Acts tells us that at every turn, at every opportunity, when the disciples were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, there was external opposition against their message and against what they were doing. Folks, you need to realize that if you're going to live in this world, Jesus said you will have trouble. But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. That tells me that even in the times of trouble, there's victory right ahead. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to see the other side. And then behind me, I'm going to have a testimony of the great things God has done. That's exactly what Bailey shared with you this morning. You see, before you decided to walk with the Lord, things were so cool, so easy, so fine. No pressure, no opposition. But the day you said, I'm going to live for God and I'm going to die for God, suddenly that force of pressure comes against you. Suddenly the friends that you once thought were your friends are opposing you. They're laughing at you. They're mocking you, talking bad about you. Oh, friends, understand, they don't know, they don't get the concept that you're in transition. You're moving from where you once were to where God wanted you to be. And that's going to mean changes in your life. You've got to have courage to walk through those changes. That means some people are going to fall away, but God's going to bring new people into your life. Yvonne and I talk all the time. We love this place because we love you. Because God has given us such great people in this house that surround us. I knew on Friday when I almost crashed that motorcycle, that would have happened. I would have went over the top of that car. He probably would have ran over me. No doubt in my mind I would have died. But I knew that day that I wasn't by myself. The Lord was with me. He gave me the strength, the experience, and the skill to avoid that accident. But more than that, I knew there were people right here praying for me. You had no idea it was on that bike that day, but that little blonde knew, and I knew she was praying for me. When I do those rides, she doesn't text me every five minutes, where are you at? Are you okay? Are you safe? No, I text her every now and then, let her know I'm eating lunch, where I'm at, but that's it, because she knows God's got it. This is a mission and a purpose that God has called me to and placed me in, and I'm going to follow Him. We need to understand that there's nothing that will come against us but what God's already got resolved. Doesn't matter if it's sickness or disease, if it's financial woes or emotional difficulties, if it's marital problems instead of marital bliss, it doesn't matter what you're facing, God already has the answer. It didn't surprise him, he saw it coming. He knew what you were gonna walk through, so he prepared the way for you. That's why Isaiah said, fear not for I have redeemed you. I've called you by my name, you are mine. When you go through the problems, I've got the answer. 
Oh, come on, folks, it's time to press in and recognize anytime we're following God, we have to deal with external conflict. It's just going to happen. The problems will be there. The obstacles will be there. The challenges will be in front of us. But the good news is, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The good news is, thanks be unto God, who always gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news is, he died, but three days later he came out of the grave, and in doing so conquered hell, death, and the grave. In doing so, he made the way for you and I to live in victory. It's time to understand external conflicts will not stop us when we determine to pursue the Father. Number two, Matthew 14, 24 tells us that God will sometimes place us in vulnerable positions where we have to trust Him, even when we can't see His hand. We have to trust Him, even when we can't see the result. We have to trust Him, even when we don't know what the next minute holds. Some of us right now are in a dark situation. We can't see the hand of God. We don't know what God is doing. But I've got news for you. God works in the dark. He's not silent. He didn't hit pause. He didn't say, wait 10 minutes, wait 10 years, and I'll come back to you. In the darkness, God is still over. Oh, somebody needs to hear this. The darkness, the new day, every new day begins in the darkness. Every new day begins in the darkness. There is a new day in your darkness this morning. You just haven't seen the sun rise. You haven't seen the dawn of that morning. But I'm telling you today, there's a new day in your darkness. And God is going to do something powerful as you continue to pursue him. God doesn't need the light. He is the light. So he can work in the darkness all the time and bring you to his intended purpose. You know, Kenny and Brittany, I'm pretty sure there was a time in your life when you felt surrounded by darkness. But as you shared with me just this week, what was meant by Satan to be darkness has turned out to be a bright light in your life. And your oldest son is there waiting for you every time you come home from work, peeking through the curtain, looking for his daddy with a big smile on his face. And he comes and runs you and gives you a big hug. Oh, come on, tell it, folks. In the darkness, God's at work. God's at work, and great things happen. Paul and Silas had a prayer meeting in the dark. At midnight, at the dawn of a new day. Did you hear what I'm saying? The new day comes in the dark. And at the dawn of the new day, the Bible says there was a great earthquake, and it shook the prison, and the doors flew open, and their shackles fell off. Oh, come on, friend. It's the new day that brings you hope. Know that in the new day, God is working in your behalf. He's working for you. Psalm 35 says, weeping indoors for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Oh, that's the promise. Don't fear the darkness, but look for the dawn. Don't fear the darkness, but know it's going to pass. Don't fear the darkness, but know the sun is going to rise again. And with the new day, there's new promise. There's new hope. There's new life as you follow him. Don't fear the darkness. God's working. Even when you can't see what he's doing, he's working. Even when I can't see him, he's working. Even when I can't feel him, he's working. He's arranging your future. 
He's present with you. Don't fear the darkness. And number three, I want you to hear it with me. Verses 28 and 29. There will be times in your life that you have to get out of the boat and leave your comfort zone. You have to get out of the boat and leave your comfort zone. People who stay in the boat, who refuse to get out, are people who are scared of change. The truth be told this morning, some of us here want God to show up in our lives to change our situation, but because we're afraid of change, we won't get out of our boat. Until you get out of the boat, you'll never experience His power. Until you're willing to trust Him with your tomorrows, you'll never experience His grace, His mercy, His power as you can in your life today. You've got to get out of the boat. You've got to get away from what's holding you back. That boat stood between him and Jesus and the miracle that Jesus was going to perform. When you read that scripture again, it says the disciples saw Jesus walking across the sea and they thought he was a ghost. Now what does that tell you about their depth? It says they're a lot like a lot of us today. They're about an inch deep and a mile wide. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it was Jesus. And they cried out in fear. Twelve ordinary men. Understand this. Jesus called these guys. He chose them specifically. He had a destiny for their lives. But in this situation, and, and they just seen him take five loaves and two fish and turn it into a feast that fed 5,000 men plus women and children. Not only that, but each one of them picked up a whole basket full of the remains, the leftovers. So there were 12 baskets of leftovers, enough for each one of them. <clears throat> this is amazing stuff. You don't see that every day. I dare you, go to Publix, buy a loaf of bread, buy a couple of hamburgers, take it out to the stadium, pray over it, and then start feeding people. How long is it going to last? Two hamburgers. That's how long it's going to last. You don't see this stuff every day. They had just witnessed this amazing miracle. They had witnessed him open blind eyes, heal lame legs. They had witnessed him do mighty, marvelous things. But that night, in the middle of their storm, they were afraid. Because they had forgotten the kind of Jesus they were following. Some of us have done the same thing. We have forgotten the Jesus we're following. He's still the miracle worker. Tom, would you come back? He's still the way maker. He's still the God who can do all things and do them well. But if we're going to see them, we have to get out of the boat. We have to trust him. So many times we criticize Peter. <clears throat> because once he was on the water, his faith, faith failed him and he began to fear. But it teaches us that when we choose to step out of our comfort zone and follow Jesus, to bid his command and follow him, there will still be fear that tries to invade our lives. But in those moments, all we have to do is cry out and say, Lord, save me. Think about it. Jesus walked on the water. Peter said, bid me to come unto you on the water. He didn't say, bid me to come in the water. He wanted to do what Jesus was doing. His faith was great in the boat. 
He stepped out on the water. He began to walk across the top of that water. It was a miracle, but suddenly saw the wind. He saw how big the waves were and fear came back into his life, but he knew what to do. He ran to Jesus. He called out to him. He said, Lord, save me. And the scripture says he reached out his hand and saved him. Oh, come on, folks. Don't be afraid when you're following Jesus and you see something that scares you to death. Keep following him. Cry out, Lord, save me. And watch what he does in your life. Watch what he does in your hearts. He's challenging us today to get out of our comfort zone, to get out of the boat, to put our eyes on him and to follow him, to do what he's asking us to do. And can I tell you this morning that if the word is strong enough to hold Peter on top of the Sea of Galilee, it's strong enough to hold me and it's strong enough to hold you. We don't have to live in fear. We can walk knowing God makes me brave and God has my future. Close with this story. 1981, Dottie Osteen, John Osteen's wife, was diagnosed with terminal liver cancer. It was a huge mass, two smaller tumors on her liver. She went to the hospital, thinks she should be there a couple days for tests. She was there 21 days. The doctor said to her, there's nothing we can do. Chemotherapy won't help, surgery won't work. You only have a few weeks to live. That was her prognosis and diagnosis. After 21 days, she and her husband went home. They laid down on the floor at the foot of their bed. And he said, God, this is not your will for my wife. She has destiny, she has purpose, you have a plan for her. And he began to pray the healing power of Jesus over her body. She says by her own words, from that moment when my husband prayed for me, I began quoting the scripture, Exodus chapter 15, verse 6 says, I am the God that healeth thee. Psalm 118 verse 17 says, You shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24 says, By his stripes you were healed. She put together 62 healing scriptures and every day she stood on the word of God. Listen, she didn't go back to the doctor for 10 years. When she went back 10 years later, she was healthy. She was living in vitality. They did the test. There was no cancer in her body whatsoever. The doctors can't explain it. Oh, but Dr. Jesus can. Why? Because she chose to get out of the boat. She said, I'm going to walk on the word and believe what God has said over my life. It's time for you and I in this room to get out of the boat. If you're watching online to get out of the boat, he's bidding us come. He wants to do something innocent through us that will amaze us. Peter never dreamed in his wildest dreams he'd be able to walk on water. But when Jesus said, come, and he crawled out of that boat, that's exactly what happened. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee. 
a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.